Hey, what's up? I'm Anthony. And I'm Dan. And we are J&J Missions, spreading the gospel by all means, one soul at a time. We give live talks, we make YouTube videos, and you can find us all over social media. And as you probably figured, we have a podcast. Whether we're giving spiritual tips, deliberating about current events, or talking saints and devotionals, we want to bring the Catholic faith to you in a totally orthodox, yet relatable, down-to-earth way. If you want to support us, head over to our website, www.jmjmissions.com. Okay, hello, hello. This is another episode of the JMJ Missions podcast. We have a very special guest on this episode, Paul J. Kim, evangelist, comedian, beatboxer extraordinaire, is uh, going to be here with us today. Uh, Before we get into that, we'll get into him later. We have our Stuff in the World segment anthony you had a really random idea that you that you threw out there yeah so what i was thinking you know like we asked paul to come on this podcast i'm really happy that he did it and you know like we look up to paul because you know you're an evangelist you know we're trying to do the same thing with jmj missions like with talks and stuff like that but then most importantly we have the same haircut as you or maybe you have the same haircut as us you know it's all about like short on the sides (laughs) and then like the hard part line and then like kind of comb it to one side and honestly it is the best haircut that exists um, so I just wanted to get your guys' comments on why that haircut <laughs> is the best haircut. And then also, the younger generation, their haircuts are horrible. Yeah, we, we do have some younger fans, so sorry, guys, but yeah. you guys got to cut your hair. But I noticed last year, specifically, among the freshmen of my students, mm-hmm. um, is uh, they have, like, the goat thing going yeah. on. With, like, the long on the sides, but, like, their hair comes down so... The one kid I had in my class, his, his hair came down so far that it was literally covering his eyes up. <laughs> which is like very interesting i'm wondering where that became a thing you guys know how that became a thing i have no idea but it thing. should not have become a thing okay. i think yeah. maybe covid inspired it you know interesting oh you <laughs> know that's a good i didn't even think of that it's like because... the i haven't gotten a haircut in a long time uh, look right and barbershops were closed i yeah. don't like looking into people's eyes <laughs> <laughs> but there actually might be something to that though because you know what you have is you have the uh people on their laptops all day because yeah. of covid learning from their laptops literally and then I don't know. It's kind right. of like they I'm hiding, hide. hiding from the world. Maybe yeah. I'll just continue hiding from the world. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm. Right. right. We're not sponsored by any barbers or anything, by the way. We just <laughs> just wanted to talk about haircuts. <laughs> Although we do have our Barber Vinny podcast we had. That's where true. Where he, on Heart and Determination, if you want to look that up, way in the archives from, what, like two years ago. <laughs> yeah. That's our only barber barber hook. <laughs> I, I think to answer the earlier question of why why is this haircut the best with a kind of high fade, hot, hard uh, line is because you can take a nap on that side of your head and the rest of your hair will remain fine. Exactly. I, I'm a huge proponent of day naps. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Especially as long as it goes with the way your hair is naturally. Uh, right. You're right. I've never thought about that, but I've taken multiple naps and my hair was not as messed up as it used, used to be back yeah. in the day. I can't relate. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this haircut is so good that Danielle is the only person that does not have it. So yeah. gotta, you got to get the program. <laughs> Maybe someday. <laughs> Comes in with a hard part tomorrow. <laughs> like, no. Hey guys, look. <laughs> Don't don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll think about it. All right, that was a very short, sweet, and interesting <laughs> stuff in the world. And um, we have our little notes here, and I literally said that Ant's gonna be the one, you know, doing this. So I'm glad you took it, not me, because no that was problem. the most random uh, stuff in the world that we've had in a while. We'll be back in just a second. We are going to interview Paul a little bit about what he does, get some tips from him, uh, some thoughts from him, and then we'll get onto our main subject, which is. Purity. So if you have a purity problem, which so many people do today, or even if you don't, it's something that is uh, very important when it comes to our society today. Um, sexual purity, relationship purity, all, all of the above. Um, we'll get to that, to lust, how to overcome it in just a second. Don't go away. 
Okay, and we are back. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit to Paul um, about what he does. And, uh, you know, it's, it's as Anthony said before, it's, it's nice to have a successful evangelist among us. Um, it's something that a lot of people aspire to be. But actually, unfortunately, not enough people inspired to be nowadays, uh, aspire to be, because um, the faith seems to be going out of style, which is why um, there's all the more the need for it today in 2022. Uh, I want to talk about the first time I found out about Paul, actually. I was watching a YouTube video. I think it was Ascension Presents or something like that. And uh, uh, Paul, you had mentioned um, that you had been in seminary before, uh, or at least studying. Were, were you with the CFRs? I was with the CFRs for a couple of years, yeah. So he was with the, the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal if that's correct, um, and uh, for a couple of years. And he had left, and he, he had a little talking video about that. Uh, and as someone who had left seminary myself after a couple of years, and Anthony too after a semester, you know, you have a lot of questions on your mind, like, did I make the right decision? Am I doing this because God wanted me to or because what people wanted me to? And then Paul did a Father Benedict Groeschel impression. <laughs> um, and I thought that was absolutely hilarious, like a holy priest, his conversation that he had with, with, with Benedict, Father Benedict. Uh, and then the whole point that Paul was making was like, hey, you know, if you feel that this is you're, you're close to God, your, your prayer life is good, and you feel this is something you, you want to do, and the Father, the Father Benedict was saying as well, then you should do it. If it doesn't feel right and, and all the boxes check off in your relationship with God, then, then you need to do with what's, what he really thinks, um, what you really feel he's telling you to do on your heart and, and on your soul. Um, so I just thought, man, that was so cool. He made a few jokes as well, and I thought this is a guy who understands us, who um, is clearly on fire for the Lord. He's passionate, uh, and he's got a sense of humor, and he's down to earth. And I was like, watching this video, I'm like, yeah, this, this guy seems really cool. And then uh, we found that he was at NCYC for certain things, and we're like, you know, this is awesome. We, he, had a, he was back here, what, uh, March of 2020? Yeah, right before COVID started. Right before COVID. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> did a great talk at our parish, which we all attended. Um, so um, I wanted to ask you first, Paul, um, how did you figure out your vocation to marriage and, and that whole um, – that season of your life and how did you end up speaking? Yeah. Wow. Um, so I'm going to try to make this brief. I, you know, to your point of discerning, I was, you know, heavily involved with discernment cause I was giving religious life my best shot. And as you guys know, probably personally, it's, it's pretty hard to join, but it's even harder to leave, you know? And so I think most guys and, and gals who want to discern religious life, it's because they want to do something great for God. Right. They have an ideal. And so when that ideal doesn't pan out, it kind of like sets you into a tailspin of like, what is my purpose? Did I let God down? Did I let myself down? And, you know, one thing that in hindsight, I now understand more than I did at the time was that God is so faithful. And if truly, if you trust him, even like our quote unquote failures or the things that don't pan out in the way and the time and the, the exact season that we were hoping, um, it's all being worked out for our good. And so when I left uh, the Friars, my thought was, well, first of all, I thought God owed me a really hot Catholic girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I thought he owed it to me because, you know, I I imposed a dating fast on my life for several years. And of course, you know, (laughs) he didn't owe me anything, but I thought I felt very entitled. And so uh, I was trying to date anyone who had all their teeth in and <laughs> I mean that's the biggest thing right? I mean that's that's I mean you know everyone has their preferences <laughs> and so the irony of course is that like none of my dating relationships were working out and I was just I was very frustrated because like you know when you have a goal namely to not be single and you are still single I think this is a, a pretty universal experience for those who are kind of in that season or feel stuck there but um 
you know, eventually, well, before I even get to that point, like God answers prayers in three ways. Yes, no, and not now. Right. We love the yes. It's like, of course God agrees with me. Uh, the no, it's like terrible, but the not now is even worse. Cause it's like you, you, so you're going to give it to me, but you're not going to give it to me. So which one is it? You know, um, eventually I met my wife at a, a friend's wedding. I was the, res- I was the MC of the reception. And so when I saw this really pretty girl laughing at my corny jokes, I figured <laughs> this gives me confidence. <laughs> Talk to pretty girl. <laughs> right. Now you were, were the actually like the DJ MC. All that I wasn't kind of the stuff? DJ, but I was the MC. The MC. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So gotcha. I was performing and just cracking jokes and trying to make the, the night, you know, entertaining for folks. So I asked her out rest is history, but, um, you know, how did I figure out my vocation to marriage? I just kind of stumbled into it. I knew I had a desire for it, but ultimately it was it was God's providence and guidance through the process. Um, I <laughs> it's funny because when you leave seminary or religious life, you still have this like faint feeling of fear that he might call you back, or at least that's what I was feeling. I'm like, why why is none of the dating working out? oh my gosh, is he going to call me back? That would suck because I really don't want to go back. Yeah. You know, and so it, once again, it kind of, it kind of underlined this, this essential fear and this lack of trust that I had ultimately. That was my bad. But, you know, meeting my wife and just seeing how organically it developed into something beautiful uh, was ultimately a comfort. And in my, in my better moments, I did say some prayers of like, God, if this is of you, like if you want to truly like bless us with marriage, then lead us to the altar. Otherwise, don't let it happen. You know, so that was a scary prayer to pray, but I, I did pray it on a few occasions. Right. And so um, my old spiritual director at the Friars, his name's Father Marius. He's also, I think, from Jersey, but he's just a legendary priest. He's amazing. Um, but he was able to preside at my, my wedding and, um, you know, just kind of came full circle there. So that was a blessing. Um, what was your question? <laughs> it's, actually, it's interesting you mentioned that because my spiritual director gave me a lot of peace too. I found a spiritual director after leaving, told him the whole thing, how I met my, my current wife and everything now and without his go-ahead, you know? Like, he, spiritual direction is so beautiful because it gives you that peace to move forward, you know? Like, okay, to obey your spiritual director, I mean, you read St. Faustina's diary. It's all she talks about is obeying your spiritual director. It's in like every single page, mm-hmm. you know? So it gave so much peace. I, I can really identify with that. I'm glad you said it. And the second question was, um, how did you end up speaking and becoming a full-time kind of Catholic evangelist? Yeah, so when I when I left the Friars, you know, Father Benedict, he was really a uh, very much like a spiritual father, but like a spiritual grandpa, too. And I, I was blessed with the opportunity to, uh, you know, just have a friendship with him and get to go on some of his adventures. And he gave me some really solid advice. But one of the things was, when I left the community, he told me to have a game plan. And so my game plan was, I'm going to get into therapy. I want to be a therapist, right? So I get my master's degree, and then I start my internship, and I start counseling people, and I'm like, oh, crap. I don't like listening to people's problems all day. I'm exhausted. (laughs) I'm like, I can't do this for 30 years. I'm dead, right? So I was in this existential crisis where I spent tens of thousands of dollars on this paper that I don't need anymore. So I was trying to sell it on eBay. Hardly used, brand new, great condition. No, but seriously, um, what happened was is um, at that time, I was being invited to speak at local parishes. And so I would give talks at like local youth groups, confirmation events, and things like that. And I loved it. And these opportunities kept growing. Catholic world's kind of small. And so as I gave these presentations, I was like, I like that more than the 
this counseling thing and <laughs> I make more money doing it. <laughs> and did I mention I like it more? You know. <laughs> and so very long story short, God just in his providence, you know, these local events became more regional and then national, international, et cetera. But long very long story short, it's been about eleven years now and I haven't looked back and I'm just so grateful. Um I I love the fact that I get to be a husband and a father, but I have a vocation also within a vocation where I get to very intentionally serve the church and evangelize the culture and to try to, you know, even though my vocation isn't to be a priest and say, bring the sacraments to the people, I get to lead people to the sacraments. And that's really neat. Um, And primarily my family, of course, but um, it's a joy to, yeah, to be able to serve in that way. So that's kind of the very succinct version of how I got into ministry. It's perfect. Yeah, I was just going to ask, Paul, was there a specific moment when, you know, you said you were local for a while, and then was there something that kind of caught fire that maybe got you nationwide attention as, as opposed to just like within your diocese? Um, honestly, it was, and I keep saying it, but it was just God's providence. There mm-hmm. were certain people that I met who they saw me presenting somewhere and they vouched for me with their group and... Like I said, it's a small kind of Catholic world. Sure. And so yeah, we know about that. Yeah. <laughs> so there were just really good people who believed in what I was doing, believed that God had given me a, a special charism or gift or whatever. And, and they just vouched for me. And, and honestly, that was kind of the next step to other opportunities. So yeah, I'm, I'm appreciative for all those people. But yeah, I think ultimately, because a lot of people come up to me and they're like, I want to do what you do. And I'm like, cool. Have you prayed about it? Because <laughs> it's like, it's not necessarily like one of these self-imposed side hustles. Sure, do you know what I mean? Sure. A person really has to be called to it. And while there's a certain, I don't know, appeal, like, oh, he's on stage or he gets to do this. I don't think people quite understand that. Like, it really is a calling. And it's not just like, oh, I do this for work. But mm-hmm. it really is a vocation in a sense. And so... What I always tell people is, um, yeah, uh, hone your craft. Uh, obviously, you're talking about God, so you need to work on your relationship with God. That has to be, whether people are watching you or not, mm-hmm. right? On stage or off stage, it don't matter. You got to be authentic. Otherwise, you're in the wrong profession here, you know? And so keeping that up. But then, you know, going out there and, and maybe helping out at your local parish or community, right? See how you can be of service there. And then through these opportunities and as you grow, if if there seems to be like this um, this thing of God leading you and guiding you to continue in that, then the next question would be like, how do I level up not only with my speaking, but understanding that if this is something I want to do full time, like learning the business end of it, right? Because yep. obviously mm-hmm. we live in a world where you have to pay for things, yeah. <laughs> you have to provide. And, and so... Um, Pretty early on when I figured out this is what I'm being called to do, um, I remember, you know, doing a lot of legwork to learn how to grow in my craft as a speaker to improve it. And I tell this to young adults all the time, whether you feel called to be a speaker or frankly, any other profession, like you really have to hustle. Like there's no, there's no shortcut to being excellent at anything you do, right? It it doesn't matter what field we're talking Mm -hmm. about right? Musician, athlete, businessman, entrepreneur, teacher, whatever your calling is. It's like, what's that saying? It takes, uh, it takes, uh, like 10, 20 years to be an overnight success. Or if you want to be an expert at something, you have to put in your 10,000 hours or whatever. 
And it's true. I I kind of sucked when I started. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm the best speaker ever, but I've improved a lot over the years. And, and that's been through trial and error, doing things repeatedly ad nauseum, like presentation after presentation, figuring out like what works, what doesn't work, what mm-hmm. connects with people, what, all right, that story, that joke, no, that flopped, like scratch that. Okay, <laughs> yeah. no, that had some potential. Okay, how do I refine it? Um, how do I work on my delivery? How do I, how do I grow in my just ability to connect with my audience so that I can bring the gospel to them? You know, so making that sort of a, a, a project was, was mm-hmm. really neat. And I think that fit my personality pretty well. So, um, yeah. So actually, one question I had, um, I'm glad you mentioned the authentic part because that's actually one of the things I wanted to ask you about that I've noticed personally about you. But outside of that, before we get to that, I want to ask you, do you have a problem? Do you have trouble promoting yourself? Because all the business stuff that you mentioned to us, the stuff that we had to learn as well over the last couple of years we've been doing this, it, and it is a lot of legwork. Me and Anthony have to talk about it all, all the time, about what, what we're going to do business-wise. And, and uh, like you said, the delivery and our talks and, and working on your craft, things like that. Um, I forget what I was going to say. Uh, how to promote yourself. Oh, yeah. The biggest problem that I had, <laughs> thanks, Ant, <laughs> is um, – I like we are, had big conversions. We were 19, 20 years old. Um, we met a family of a saint, uh, soon to be probably a saint, Maria Esperanza, and all amazing things happened with her family. And she was all about humility. And so my spiritual director has to literally yell at me when it, <laughs> he says, "You have to promote yourself." And I said, "But it just feels weird. Like it doesn't feel saint-like to go say, hey, 'Hey, I'm a really good speaker. Let me come speak to your church and call them up and beg them.'" He goes, "You have to." And Anthony yells at me too. Was that ever a stumbling block for you two thinking like, man, I got it? Because I know it's something we have to do as speakers, as evangelists, as, as in any ministry. You have to be able to put yourself out there. But it seems, does it ever seem out of, out of character? Or is that not anything you struggle with because you kind of had a clear conscience with it going in? Well, I'm pretty proud of my humility. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, no that's a great question. And I think it's a, um, it's a valid question that I would hope that most people are asking who are doing this sort of thing because it is a balance, right? Um, we live in a world where unless the Lord is straight airdropping your info to somebody and being like, bring them over to your right. parish, then yeah, you have to market, you have to network, you have to send emails and do phone calls and all this stuff that not necessarily is uh, one that fun, but also, yeah, it, it maybe it tugs on your heart as you're sharing, like, is it being humble? But I think ultimately while there is a tension and that tension requires us to kind of regularly examine our conscience to see like, am I just trying to promote myself or do I believe that God is inviting me to ultimately promote him? Mm -hmm. Right? Because it's a necessary step in order to do the latter thing. And if I feel this call and desire in my life, then Hey, unless I'm like, grouped up with some organization where I'm on a a salary, Mm -hmm. then chances are, if you're independent, you have to go about it this route. And so I think it's a matter of like personal conscience where to ask the question regularly and be like, Hey, do I, do I think this is about me? Like, am I making this about me? Like, do I have an ego problem? I mean, let's face it. If, (laughs) if anyone feels the propensity to be in front of people, then chances are we have an ego, right? <laughs> but even that that even that being said, the ego can be baptized for the Lord. Right? I mean, I, I think of like Saint John Paul. 
I, what a huge personality. This dude wanted to be an actor. He was an actor before he was a seminarian. And then the Lord has a plan for his life and he gets blown up on the world stage as the <laughs> Holy Father, right? And that's obviously he wasn't blowing himself up. It was it was God's plan. <laughs> right. But I bet you he had to keep his ego in check, mm-hmm. you know? Because he was a human being just like the rest of us. And we have a fallen nature that's been redeemed but we still feel the effects of original sin so i keep going back to that point but we have to live in the tension and we have to regularly do that examine and stay close to god so that in that tension we we can remain grounded in the truth right and um and and so yeah when, when people you know sing my praises i'm just like praise god because i go to confession regularly (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I know that without the grace of God, I'd be on the cover of a newspaper. I mean, seriously. Mm-hmm. Not that I have any homicidal tendencies or anything. I was going to say, I was gonna, in a negative or a <laughs> yeah. positive way. No. What are we talking here? <laughs> I mean, I'm just, maybe I'm using a bit of hyperbole, but like, the point is like, without the grace of God, I mean, who are we? Yeah. Yep. What, what good can we possibly do without God's help? And so I think it's a matter of like really staying grounded in our faith abiding in Christ, staying close to the sacraments, having spiritual direction, having good accountability and community in our lives so that even with the gifts we've been given, we don't screw it up. Yeah. Right. And community is so important. It's funny. It comes up on almost every single one of our podcasts, podcast how our... important community yep. is because yeah. you know, we can't do this alone. You know, like we need uh, people to hold us accountable and to grow with without mm-hmm. just being by ourselves. We'll, we'll fail. Mm-hmm. So one last thing that I wanted to touch on before we get into the main topic, which is how to overcome lust um, and purity, uh, is the authenticity part that Paul mentioned. Um, one thing that I, I personally noticed last time you came here a couple of years ago, uh, I had to leave. I forgot what I had to do, but we came downstairs after your talk to grab a T-shirt and to get a quick picture with you. Um, uh, but, the, but the way that you looked at myself and Anthony, we both commented on it. Um, and I think my wife was there too. My, she was my fiance at the time. But... Um, we were like, man, like I've met some Catholic speakers and even successful ones, great people, no judgment here, wonderful people, great speakers. But afterwards, I went to go speak to them just for a minute, and they were nice, but you could tell they had somewhere to be, and they, they almost kind of saw it as a job. Like I kind of okay, I'm done my job. I got I got to run. I did not get that impression with you. What do you What do you do to What do you tell yourself before you get up there to to speak and before you meet people afterwards? In that sense. Well, I'm really glad I didn't have to go to the bathroom when you came up to me because then we would have a different conversation, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, um, I think it's important to be present to people. I can't say that I do it 10 out of 10 times. I, I would like to strive for that, but I think, you know, if you're on stage or in the front of, you know, a parish giving a talk, then ideally you know when the talk ends you could be present to the people who have hopefully had some sort of experience or encounter with christ through your talk and so i mean i can't say i do it perfectly man but you know the the ministry of presence i think is important just acknowledging the person in front of you um because at the end of the day that's that's what we all want right is to be noticed to be respected to be loved and it's just such a simple thing. And notice, you don't have to be in ministry to do that. You know what I mean? I, th- I was just hearing, a, listening to a podcast about uh, ex-Swiss guard 
who, whose job was to protect the Holy Father. And he was sharing about how St. John Paul II would, in his busy day, like, or he said he was, because um, these guys literally stand like a statue for yeah. hours on end. <laughs> right. And it's like, <laughs> how often do they actually get to use their weapons to protect the Not that often, right? Thanks be to God. But yeah. And so he was sharing that. He was just having this terrible day and he was just feeling emotionally down and he was standing like a statue against a wall and he saw St. John Paul walking by and in his heart, like in in the quiet of his heart, the Swiss guard was like, I hope he'll just like look at me or acknowledge me or just see that like I am here like busting my butt against this wall for him. (laughs) Against this wall. And St. John Paul walked by and so he didn't say anything and then the Swiss guard was like really bummed and closed his eyes and he's like and then he opened his eyes a few seconds later and he said he was like (laughs) dead in in the right in front of him and he was looking straight at him he didn't say anything for like 10 seconds which is like a really long time (laughs) unless you're like married to someone (laughs) or dating them very romantically (laughs) and so he's looking straight into his soul and St. John Paul took that time to encourage him. He gave him, like, one of the rosaries that was in his pocket. And he said something to the effect that, like, pray the rosary. It's one of my favorite prayers. Make it your most powerful weapon. And anyways, he's sharing the story. And he's just so humbled by the fact that, like, this legend of a man, the busiest guy in the church, would take the time to, like, encourage him and love on him. And I think that's just such a great example of the saints and how they were present to people in their lives. Um, And so that's something that I'd like to strive for myself. And so, yeah. I love the John Paul story, too. He comes up so often. Right, especially for that Swiss guard. You know, he's probably used to thousands of people just walking by him every day. Yeah. Like, and not even looking at him at all. Then for John Paul II, the vicar of Christ, Mm -hmm. you know, to go back and look at that person in the eyes, like, I feel like that's an extension of God's love. And Paul, like you said, like, we just want to be seen. We just want to be noticed and know that we're loved. So I feel like in that moment, John Paul II was just pouring out God's love for that Swiss guard. That's a really cool story. Yeah, yeah I think, yeah. I think too, like, as a speaker, like, you're, if you're leading people to the sacraments, like, that's on the stage and off the stage. So I think that's important to remember. So it's cool that, like, yeah, that's what you do and you strive to do. I mean, again, we're all not perfect, but it's always... You know, we're always being watched by people and you never know the moment where like someone can completely change their whole life because of how you acted. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something I notice with my students too, and I go out of my way for my students, we're, we're teachers, my, myself and Anthony and Danielle mm-hmm. now too, actually. Two months in. Two months in. Right. Right. Yes. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah, it's our, our main hustle. Uh, yeah. But uh, when you go out of your way, if a, if a student looks sad or lonely, depressed or whatever, and you actually notice them, even if it's not about God, because I teach theology, obviously, but just have a conversation with them about whatever they're interested in. It goes such a long way. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned that. And it's nice that the Holy Father obviously knew that as well. We're yeah. going to take a quick break from that point, And we're going to get back to lust. And actually on that same topic of human dignity and how special each person is, it'll definitely tie in. Don't go away. All right, we are back. And... Um, I actually paused our break conversation because Chipotle came up, and I literally said, let's stop because I want to get Paul's favorite Chipotle order. Oh, wait. We were going to ask Dan to say that, but I just took it from him. Chipotle. Dan, you could say it. Go ahead. In a North Jersey accent. In a North Jersey accent. I don't know if I have a North Jersey accent. Serious question. Come on. (laughs) What is your Chipotle order? What is your go-to? I like to order a burrito bowl (laughs) with white rice, black beans, 
Is this uh, Australian? I don't know. It's, it's getting really <laughs> messed like up it. right now. I like Hi. it. Hi. No, no, that's Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> burrito right. laddie. Uh, hey, the burrito laddie. Oh, pinto beans. Sautéed vegetables? You sound like a hobbit now. Hi. <laughs> but they're from New Zealand. I'm so confused. <laughs> uh, half steak, half beef, uh, lettuce, cheese. Uh, spicy salsa or I'm mild? No, just pico de gallo, man. Okay. Just keep it mild. Right. Yeah, Pico's yeah, yeah. good though. Yeah. Pico, yeah. pico. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. That's I had, it. I had Chipotle yesterday. It's pretty sweet. Did you really? Me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any problems after. There you go. Sometimes <laughs> oh, I do. That's I know so what great. you mean. It just depends on which Chipotle it, you go like to. It's like you, know? you kind of roll the dice anytime yeah. you get Chipotle. It's, it's the little things in yeah. life. Seriously, you can make it through those things. Yeah. It's a good day when you Chipotle all the That should be the title of this podcast. We probably get some extra people. We probably would. It's something everyone can relate to. Everybody. I mean, I've never met someone that I don't like Chipotle, or I've never had an issue afterwards. Yeah. So it's a win-win. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. So purity. (laughs) (laughs) Purity of food. Purity of heart. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, All right. So we thought lust would be a great topic to talk about purity in general. Something that Paul's well versed in um, with his talks. We we you know that he's really good at speaking about. Um, so a lot of people today in 2022, and honestly, even the last few generations, I'll even say, they say that like purity is not that important of a thing. It's kind of fallen out of style, uh, but it's something that a lot of people uh, struggle with. Um, so how can you win this battle if people are saying it's not important? So uh, why why is purity so important in your, in your guys' minds? You know, I think it's very important because it kind of bleeds into whatever vocation you choose. Whether you're a priest, and you know you have to, you can't date anyone and you have to live the virtue of chastity every single obviously all people live chastity what's uh, there's a word i'm looking for that priests live three evangelical councils poverty chastity, poverty, chastity, chastity and obedience. that's the ones in uh, religious orders okay yeah. yeah so um whether you become a priest or married like purity is huge you know like it's it can ruin either one of those vocations so it's something that like needs to be tied down while you're single i, I think mm-hmm. so too I, I think it really we're talking about the dignity of each human being and we were talking just before about you know the importance of making people seen uh, and I think it was John Paul II, tell, um, um, going off of what Paul said about John Paul, um, who, who wrote so much about purity, theology of the body, and things like that. Um, he said uh, that the opposite of loving someone isn't hating them necessarily, because at least if you hate them, you're recognizing that they have the capacity to hurt you. Like, they're a person, at least. They're, a, they're, they're somebody. He said it's using somebody. Yeah. There's a quote. I think it's, love people use things. Right. I, I, it might have been St. Thomas Aquinas. And sin happens when you flip those. Yeah. When you love things and use people. It's him or Saint Augustine, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. Either one's a good choice. So Paul, you have a talk uh, that's dedicated to overcoming uh, purity issues, right? Of chastity and stuff like that. Uh, so what? Why did you decide to put that on your reservoir or your reservoir, your arsenal of talks? <laughs> <I should say. laughs> I like it. A big, well, like, yeah, liquid kind of a tank. Well, yeah, I think it's it's certainly a, a hot topic. It's a topic that uh, is relevant to the youth, but as you mentioned, it's relevant to frankly anyone in any vocation, right? Chastity, what is what is chastity? It's not a physical accessory belt that you strap around your torso so as to prevent <laughs> any problems, but it's more of a spiritual disposition, right? And like you said, you talked about Saint John Paul, and that was from Love and Responsibility, which was his his book on sexual ethics. But the whole point of that, the crux of that book is, yeah, at the end of the day, everyone deserves to be loved. And love is willing the good of the other, whereas lust is using the other. And when we objectify someone, we essentially strip away, no pun intended, (laughs) uh, you strip away their dignity, right? 
Uh, Blessed are the pure of heart, they shall see God. That's why it's important. Because if we don't have that sense of purity, then we're not going to see God in this life and we're not going to see him in the next life. And that's heavy, right? Um, The challenge, of course, is that, dang, that is not a virtue that is celebrated in our culture, right? There's some times where I'm just kind of browsing and I'm on Instagram and I hit the search bar. And holy smokes, I've never seen so much flesh just offered to me when I'm not even asking for it. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's literally in my face and I can't, it's almost dangerous for me to hit that bar sometimes because it's like, I scroll and I'm like, what the heck? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What? Does she know she's like naked? Like, (laughs) did she just stumble out of bed and she forgot? You know, guys and girls, I mean, obviously like, it's not a problem for me to look at a guy and a lot of fitness guys or whatever, but I would imagine for girls too, it's, it's also like a temptation. It's a, um, an occasion of sin at times. So how does one stay pure? Jeez. Um, you know, there's this, there's a story. Uh, it's a funny story where, uh, a young monk goes to an older, wiser monk and says, father, when, when do the temptations to purity stop? And the, the older monk thinks about it for a second and he says, Three days after you're dead. Right? Three days after. So, <laughs> the propensity for all of us to lust is so powerful, like that fallen, uh, that fallen feature, that truly it's something that requires all of us to be vigilant. So how does one remain vigilant against lust? How do they develop a spirit of purity? I think ultimately it's a no-brainer. We have to pray. We have to pray for that grace. We have to ask for it. And we need to for lack of better terms, I like this example. It's kind of been resonating with me lately, but, you know, St. Peter in First Peter says, God called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so when you're in darkness and you're accustomed to darkness, and there's this concept of like God's light pushing out the darkness, it's almost like spiritual chemotherapy in a sense, mm-hmm. right? Where the more you spend time with God and his grace, the sacraments and prayer, the more you abide in him, that light has a tendency of pushing out the darkness. And so, when it came to purity in my life, man, I had an over decade long addiction to pornography where once I had this radical conversion in college and I'm like praying the rosary, uh, our lady's leading me to confession. I'm being led, then led to the Eucharist and I wanted to receive the Eucharist more and more. I look back and I'm like, yeah, that was spiritual chemotherapy. And that, that addiction was annihilated within a span of a few months. And that was, that was on God, right? Right. I mean, sure, I was I was walking up to the well, right? But it was God's grace, and so it's so important that we have that daily prayer life and that sacri- that rich sacramental life. Otherwise, eh, not gonna make it. Right, it's not gonna make it. You're toast now. Yeah. yeah, especially the Eucharist too. Yeah, you know, like we can't do anything without that. So let's it, talk about chemotherapy, like having Christ inside you to get rid of the darkness. That's perfect. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And you know, to everyone listening, because it. It seems so difficult, right? And this is where we distinguish, of course, like the difference between thoughts that are unwanted versus actually willfully, consciously entertaining thoughts, mm-hmm. right? Right. Or willfully, consciously choosing to do something impure with someone. Um, and that's the difference, of course, between venial and mortal sin. Sure. So no one, no one in their mom can control the tendency to have lustful thoughts, but they are neutral insofar as one, we're not like fully aware of it, but we kind of all have those moments where like maybe our heads in la la land and we're entertaining something wildly inappropriate, but then it's like, whoa, 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 
right? That whoa yeah. signifies now you're aware. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So at that point, the temptation can actually become a cause for virtue, mm-hmm. right? And so the temptation is actually, it doesn't have to be a stumbling block. It can be a stepping stone towards how do I grow in purity when my purity is tested? And I choose, instead of being impure, to be pure, right? So whether that means I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see something wildly inappropriate or very like risque, then you, you know, there's a number of things that we can do. Um, it's not always the best to just like cram, uh, what's the word? Like kind of repress, that's a psychological sure. term, right? Be like, no, 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 no. You know, like- Yeah, white knuckle. F- yeah, white knuckle freak yeah. out mode because <laughs> when we do that, it has a way of kind of like pushing that thought like deep down and it has a way of like then springing out in yep. unhealthy ways. So I think it was Father Mike Schmitz like years ago before he was even like on YouTube doing a session. Like I remember watching one of his DVDs, right? Like, <laughs> and so he had a talk and it was very good. He said, um, when you're tempted, like just simple example, you're driving down the highway and you see like a billboard for like a strip club, right? This happens depending on what city you live in, right? And it's like you see this woman and the temptation is there to lust or think inappropriately. He gave an example that was really helpful. He said, give her a name right? Not a stripper name, but give her a name. (laughs) If it helps you, whatever. Lord, I pray for Nikki. I pray for her. I, she's been made in your image and likeness. God, I'm tempted to lust after her by the power of your cross on twist, which, and twist the lust inside of my heart and help me to see her as you created her as your beloved daughter, something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And so when you bring Christ into your temptation and you make it very like casual, Right? Don't white knuckle it. Just judo it. Sure. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like don't yeah. punch it. Like, don't punch the fist coming at you. Yeah. Like, take the momentum. Yeah. Take and, the momentum yeah. and judo it <laughs> spiritually. Right. And I you, like ju- you judo it by, <laughs> yeah. you bring the Lord into it and know that when you do that, you can do all things. Right. Through Christ who strengthens you. And so, once again, it's that differential. But I think too, like our intake of content is really important. If we're watching like almost pornographic like material let's be honest like netflix like ma means like pornographic in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. there have been a number of series where i'm like what the hell Mm -hmm. i didn't ask for that scene like now oh crap now that's in my head thanks you know used to be hard to find r-rated and worse movies now they're just so easy for kids especially just to kind of pop on the tv and they're just on netflix next to coco melon which i'm showing my son you know what i mean it's (laughs) like there's coco melon and then right next to it under like you know for you you know whatever it could be coco melon's not for you dan uh, Coco, no. Coco Damn, we you know you watch Coco Melon. Uh, despite your your thoughts, no, I don't. Actually, I have gotten, I have watched Coco Melon by accident. He'll he'll walk different room. I'll just, I'll be staring at it. I don't know what they do for that show, but that's funny. It's so easily accessible now. You're absolutely totally. right. Yeah, I'm, I'm like well known in my friend group as like when we go around asking like, oh, what show are you watching? What show are you watching? Like now they've all gotten to a point and they're like, no, Den, it's not too sexy for you, or like it's not too sexy because I'm always funny. like. But is it sexy? I'm like, what kind of sexy is it? <laughs> Sorry, I just said sexy a million times that's on the podcast. Okay. But um, that's but yeah, like I'm known for that now. They're just like, um, this is too much for you or right. this is not. Because I'm just like, I don't want to feel like I'm watching something pornographic. Because yeah. yeah. they know I you don't. have a higher standard, right? Yeah. And I'm yeah. just like, and I have other friends. Like I have one friend that's converting to the faith um, after not even being baptized or anything. Um, and, you know, she's saying to me more recently, she's like, I'm starting to like not you know, want to watch that stuff anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. like I'm feeling a pull away from that stuff now. And that's like such a beautiful thing. And Danielle, I I remember you said this in a prior podcast that we had, but if you can mention it again, 
uh, when Paul talked about, you know, like clicking on the search bar and then all of a sudden, like there's all these maybe accounts that you don't follow, but they're all there and some are like scantily clad. So Danielle, there, there was like advice that you gave on like how oh, to yeah. get, how to get rid of that. Yeah. Stuff. You can actually click on that stuff. And then I think it's like the three, the three dots, wherever three they appear dots. on your screen nice. and mm-hmm. you can do not interested. Yeah. And yeah. then less of that will show up. Yeah. The algorithm. Yeah. Yep. So I did, mm-hmm. I've done that so like a talk lot. about judo. It's like, you t- <laughs> yeah. 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 Judo to those three <laughs> right. And it, wor- it yeah. works pretty well. I mean, mm-hmm. most of the stuff on my Instagram is chickens and I'm like, this is good. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> You're actually like picking up chickens after this, aren't you? I am. Yeah. Her I'm going love, to pick up two chickens. Her love for chickens comes out in every single podcast. Yeah. Saving money on eggs, right? I am. I am. Nice. Yeah, so I, you know, you you are what you eat, as they say. I'm not saying you're a chicken, but uh, <laughs> you are. You become what you consume. You emulate what you consume with media. And so, you know, Saint Thomas Aquinas talks about how you know our, it's through our senses that we are influenced, right? And and so now, <laughs> Thomas Aquinas was was not living in a time where we are lambasted with constant imagery and constant media. And so, yeah, having this device that's strapped to our pants all the time right and it's like we just pull it out of our pocket and all of a sudden we're Mm -hmm. exposed to just anything that one could imagine um so really monitoring your own content um if you follow accounts or you know you follow you watch videos or series that are not helping your purity then ask yourself why right is it is it more important to be entertained or is it more important to keep a healthy relationship with god I would, I would beckon to say that like we we know the answer to that, but right. it requires discipline. It requires self control, even to the fact of saying I, I, I know for a fact what's going to be in that show, and I want to watch it because it looks interesting, but it's not worth having to go to confession for. Sure, mm-hmm. right. And to your earlier point, you know whether you're a priest, whether you're married, or whether you're single, yeah, chastity is a very real thing. For all the people out there who are single thinking, oh, when I get married and I can have sexual relations with my spouse, all of a sudden sexual temptations go away. You're out of your mind. (laughs) Like, it's not a reality. Like, you have to be just as vigilant as you were when you were single and not able to partake in the gift of sex, which is sacramental and beautiful in the eyes of God and the church. But let's face it, if your brain works, then you're still attracted to people. You're still attracted Mm -hmm. to beauty. And even that's a whole nother conversation of how can we then embrace that reality, not be afraid, right? You see a beautiful person. You don't have to start drooling over them and asking for their number (laughs) when you're married and committed to somebody. (laughs) What you do is you say, God, thank you so much for creating them so beautifully. How how beautiful must you be? You judoed it. Boom. Exactly. Right? You judo it and you move forward. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes I say to myself, wow, God, you did such a great job on this girl. You know, I'm married to a gorgeous wife. How gracious of you to create so many beautiful women so that other men can find their spouse too. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's funny in a way, but in a different way, it really helps because then it expands our heart and our soul to live out this thing of chastity, of purity. So, you know, it's a battle. It's a struggle for everybody. But we're on the winning side if we stay close to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And we can't do it without prayer and the sacraments you cannot do it you can't do it you have to do it with god and so um if anyone's out there struggling you know start by making a good confession uh pray the rosary ask our lady for that grace of purity and just fight the good fight and and know too that it can be very 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 frustrating for people while my addiction to porn i mean it was done a nail in the coffin 
over 20 years ago now, which makes me sound really old and um, <laughs> in a matter of months. But some people I know, very good Catholics, they still struggle with their addiction to porn. And I feel for them because I can imagine how frustrating that is when you have no desire to still be like afflicted with this, right? Mm -hmm. And so to them, I say, don't give up, right? Um, I forget which mystic. You, you, you mentioned some saint on the way. What was uh, her name? Maria Esperanza. She was probably one of those mystics, right? She's like a servant she, of God. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. was receiving private apparitions. Mm -hmm. I forget. It wasn't her, but it was some like sister. But the Lord said something to the effect of, it gives me greater glory when you ask for my forgiveness than if you had never fallen to begin with. Wow. Which is weird, yeah, it's, right? That's crazy. This is obviously no excuse to be sure. like, well then, <laughs> yeah, praise right. God. In that case, <laughs> let yeah. me collect all the sins and bring them to you. You know, that's that's not what God's saying. I think the contrition is, is melded with that humble contrition, which is so beautiful on our part, which the Holy Spirit probably tries to inspire in us, and then then it leads to his passion. You know what I mean? Like him covering us with his precious blood. With right. That, that glory you're talking right. about. And, and God never grows tired of forgiving, even though we grow tired of asking, right? He He's always ready and willing. And it's a great mystery. And, it, you know, if you're in the battle and, and you're, you're struggling and you keep falling and you're just frustrated, just know that if anyone is cheering you on, it's the Lord. So keep on, keep on struggling, keep on striving, and know that the fight is worth it. I'm getting a really good theme here, and that's do not give up. Yeah. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up because I know it's such a common, common fall today, flaw, problem, temptation, whatever, in 2022 and, and has been for a while now since our society has become what it is. So um, I'm, I'm loving this theme. Just do not give up. Don't despair of the Lord's mercy. Do not be afraid. <laughs> no, not be at paura. Is <laughs> that John Paul II? Oh, yeah. Uh, nice. Was that Polish? <laughs> No, that was Italian. Oh, that was Italian. Uh -huh. Okay. So Polish is near Bucheshe. No clue what you said. Do not be afraid. Oh, do you want me to say? Oh, 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 I thought you were just saying any random Polish phrase. No, that's that makes what I sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. I thought that was his Chipotle just order in Polish. <laughs> I'd like to order new Bucheshe. <laughs> What'd you call me, bro? <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. All right. We're going to do the, the DA, D-A, devotional cup uh, right after this. And uh, don't go away. Thank you. All right, so I have a confession to make. Um, we're here. I'm not a priest. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. I can say you just can't absolve me. I can right? Shoot blanks at you. <laughs> You're right, shoot blanks. That's so funny. So, uh, seminary friends always tell me they're just shooting blanks whenever shoot they bless blanks. somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so my confession is this: uh, I forgot the Saint Cup. The no, the devotion, devotional. The devotion. We call it the devotional cup because Danielle always usually reads the little piece of paper that we yep. take out with the devotion on it. And those are my initials. Her initials are DA. Okay. Yeah, cool. da. So, so it's da. Yeah. Um, I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, I think it was the best we Crickets. had. Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> best we got. Uh, so the problem is I forgot it uh, when we did this whole setup for, for Paul here in the Parish Center. We're, just, we're so happy to have him on. So what we decided, we were going to just hand this over to Paul. And Paul, what is your favorite devotion to, to take part in? Any Catholic devotion at all? Anything that pops in your mind or... Or it could be your favorite. All right. I'm trying to think. Um, dude, I have many, but, um, well, I think Eucharistic adoration, it's beautiful just to be with the Lord and just to sit with him 
and that's one of my favorites. Um, in terms of like specific prayers, uh, definitely Rosary Chaplet of Divine Mercy. Very solid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I love the Eucharistic Adoration. We haven't gotten to that one yet. That's in the list, but we haven't drawn that yet. Um, so I'm glad you said it. Um, me and Anthony are always saying, um, Danielle's our permanent guest, me and Anthony are JMJ Missions. And what happens is um, every good idea that we have on uh, for, for our ministry, it almost always comes either during the rosary or during Eucharistic adoration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned uh, using some ideas that work and some that don't, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, almost every idea that doesn't work is something we just kind of thought of on the spot uh, on, from our own efforts. And almost every idea that has worked for our ministry has come in Eucharistic adoration. So, nice. yeah, Love glad it. you said it. Um, and about adoration, it's awesome because you might, you can go into adoration and you might not feel amazing right away, but you'll feel better maybe the next day or a few days later. You know, it's like God gives you the grace, but you might not feel it instantly, but you will feel it at some point. Yeah. When you go to Jersey Shore and you're trying to get that tan going on, (laughs) you might not see it right away, but a couple days later you look golden brown. That's a perfect analogy. (laughs) As I fist pump in the background. (laughs) That should be the cover of our YouTube. Just you go like this. (laughs) 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 Bro, chicken boxing. (laughs) So funny. Uh, Prayer time. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, Paul opened it up for us. We're happy to have him. Paul, you want to lead us in a closing prayer? Sure. Let's do it. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we humbly ask you to give us the grace to never grow weary, never grow tired of beginning again, trusting you each day, putting in our best effort, but leaning in to your grace. Um, I pray for everyone listening to this podcast that right now, wherever they are, that you would just send your Holy Spirit in a powerful way. And whatever they're struggling with, that you just give them encouragement, strength, peace, joy, purpose. We thank you, God, for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. We love you, Lord, and we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 St. John Paul, pray Pray for for us. us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless. Bonk, 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 bonk. Hi, guys. (laughs) That's Coco Melon. Oh, I didn't even know that's so funny. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that was good.